0: Today's guest is Jennifer Conti davies As she said in her own words, she double-barreled her last name, so she's twice as powerful now. (laughs) Jennifer, you listened to a handful of our episodes. What did you think so far?
1: I did. I was super blown away, not only from your voices, but the content, and I just had a big smile on my face. I just kept (laughs) listening to episode after episode and thought, those guys have great energy and big hearts, so super impressed.
2: Thank you. We appreciate that sean brings the hearts and i'm usually just caffeinated <laughs> so that's the energy
1: well now that i can see you, you have you bring the good hair too right so. <laughs>
0: To start, I think it'd be helpful for our listeners if you could just give a quick three to four minute overview of your story, how you ended up in this chair, touching on some of the important parts.
1: Yeah, I grew up in Southern California. I always was asking the bigger questions about why are we here, but there were no obvious answers. And so I decided, okay, I'll do well in school and I'll go to college and I'll figure out a career for myself. And so after I graduated, I went and worked for an international relations organization that was focused on transatlantic relations and then I thought you know the first dot-com boom was kind of then and I said I want to be part of that because that seems really exciting and I also want to be able to choose where I live in the world instead of kind of being part of Brussels or Washington DC basically in the Hmm. European American relations and so I went back to grad school and I graduated in 2000 and decided to get into tech because it was the year 2000, but I wanted to go back to Europe, and so I became a consultant. And then 9-11 happened, and I was no longer a consultant, because that was my first layoff, because there were no more projects, so I had to kind of figure out, hmm, you know, work permit, what skills do I have? And that's how I became a product manager at a big telecommunications company. And that was in the early days, it was 2000, 2001, Mm -hmm. when product management was just becoming a thing. And I had no idea that would kind of launch a career In tech, right? And being from California, 13 years later, I would arrive back in California in the Silicon Valley. And so I worked in telcos, I worked for some big e commerce companies like Expedia and Yahoo. Yahoo is not e commerce, but digital media. By that time, I'd moved to London. And, you know, I had checked all these boxes of things that I wanted to do in life. I had a great career, I had lots of friends, I had great. Good degrees. I got in British citizenship. I really had set out with what I wanted to do. I was an independent woman, earned good money. And that's when I was, it was kind of my late thirties. I realized but I'm somehow not happy. Happy is a very loaded term. And I felt kind of shame for saying that because I have a lot of things that I accomplished in my life and my life ostensibly was amazing. I have great parents, good friends, et cetera, et cetera. But there was something gnawing at me that needed some attention. And so that was kind of, you know, a couple of years where I started to ask some questions. And I'll never forget, I was at a, a big product launch in Madrid, Spain. Really great colleagues. I was talking to journalists, flying around from Dubai to Berlin and doing all these things. And I was sitting in my hotel room and I had been to Madrid before, but I just remember sitting there. It was a beautiful summer night and saying, but I've, I've seen the Piazza, not Piazza, but Plaza Mayor. I don't really feel like going outside. And all I really want to do is sit here and eat a Toblerone from the um, hotel <laughs> mini bar. And then I was like, what's going on? Am I depressed? I don't remember how much later that was, but I was in London in my apartment and it was a Sunday. And Sundays in Europe are kind of special because a lot of the stores are closed. People spend time with their family. And at that point in time, a lot of my friends had gotten married or partnered up and were having kids. And so they were spending time with their kids and I felt really alone, like really alone in my apartment. And I realized, wow, you know, I keep a really busy life going to museums, concerts, traveling, you know, I work a lot and actually I feel really uncomfortable just sitting on my sofa being alone. And that those were the kind of the aha moments that I realized, I think I asked myself, is there a different way to be? Hmm. Because I realized that there was something deep inside myself that I was actually running from. And that's when I really asked the question, like let's get curious and let's, let's get courageous about what's, what's going on there. And I kind of had this super busy ruminating mind. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, What if I like died alone in my apartment in London when anyone know for days? Uh Or like, will I end up like later in life surrounded by cats? (laughs) And it was just like really spiraling into like the kind of existential thoughts. And, you know, that's when I think something switched inside of me. And I really asked myself the question, is there a different way to be?
0: Where does that lead you today? Have you found a way to tie in some of your internal questioning with that? kind of corporate life?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I started pivoting with some of the work that I was doing externally back into the company and working with some of our senior leaders on some of these questions, like how do you lead in times of uncertainty and change? And how do you start asking yourself some of these questions so that you can show up in a more empowered and more effective leader? And somehow that that kind of took off internally. And so I had the opportunity to move from the business unit that i was in into hr and actually started a new function for coaching and leadership development in the newly merged company and that was three or four years ago now
0: I mean, do you feel like you neglected that internal work? You said you had these aha moments like sprinkled throughout the later days there. Do you feel like you had neglected some of the internal work leading up? Was there any internal questions or were you like completely shut off?
1: Well, it's funny because I don't look back and think it was neglect or shut off. I literally just didn't know. Because I didn't really have a lot of people around me and the education that I had wasn't focused on any of this. I think I think it was always in me that I was curious about these things. And I, I, I remember sometimes like, wow, in college, I took a Kundalini yoga class mm. and I took an Eastern religion class, but it wasn't the time. The interest somehow was in my psyche, maybe, but it wasn't the time for like the full downloads to happen. So... You know, I'm super grateful for the way everything's unfolded. I think I've made up for some lost time in the past few years.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. Something you mentioned just about you weren't even aware of this inner world or aware of this other world. And I think we mentioned it on our earlier call. And it's just a question that I'm very interested in is... It seems like the stimulus for change is discomfort. There's this catalytic discomfort. Does that ring true for you in your Madrid hotel room eating Toblerone? Or was there an uncomfortable moment that led you here? And like, can people find this inner world or how can they cultivate this curiosity that how can you get ahead of the discomfort?
1: I love that question and I think about it a lot, you know, because I love talking about this topic and I now I'm a coach and, you know, working and guiding others in this. How does someone start the journey? It can happen in a variety of ways, you know, maybe. You grow up with parents, friends, family mm-hmm. members, relatives, community members that are interested in these kinds of things. I think it can open up through art and creativity and music. You know, I think there's a lot of different roads into the inner world. And then I also think that, so- you know, sometimes life's experiences that are less than pleasant can also be transformational mm-hmm. because I think it's pretty easy to stay in the comfort zone. And it doesn't have to be trauma right, or anything massive, but it's like that discomfort is also can be a powerful catalyst to change, to recognize that what was working is no longer working. And whether it's personal relationships or people that feel stuck in careers, you know, when people recognize that, wow, I'm kind of like going against a brick wall, then I think that there's something that switches inside. And maybe that's where you can kind of take a step back and say, "Hmm, is there a different way to do this?
0: One of the reasons why it's so challenging is because we get so applauded for our accomplishments, and we get pulled in a direction that may not align with what we really want, but it's society patting us on the back and saying, yeah, no, good job, good job. And that praise feels so good. It's really interesting to see different people go down that same path that's not aligned with themselves, but it's interesting to see how far people get. Talked about hitting a brick wall. There's brick walls all the way down that path, but some people hit them right away and they're like, that's not me. And other people, I don't know if they're looking for some sort of validation or love, but they just keep going and going and then fifty years old, they're like, How did I get here? I missed every single warning flag. Yeah. And then it's really hard to reverse.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so much to what you just said. Can we pause and like go into that? Yeah, please. I have to get back into that because it's so it's so important. So much of what we learn growing up is based on grades and external validation of whether we're good enough or not. And good enough compared to what? What's the bar that we're measuring against? It's as you talked about, at some point, how do we start navigating and wayfinding based on a deeper truth within us, as opposed to the navigation that we grow up following? That's a lot of the deeper inner work that's to be done is kind of the proverbial peeling the onion or deconstructing our conditioning to find what is that alignment in ourselves, right? And that's really exciting and sometimes not easy work.
0: Yeah, it's usually the hardest work.
2: Yeah, I think it's (laughs) hard. Yeah. So I guess to weave that back into your story and your journey, I mean, you had, by all means, and continue to have, I should say, a successful professional career, but especially in the early days, kind of in the more traditional sense with consulting and product management and working dot com and with these big telecom companies, which were and continue to be like very prominent companies and you had this moment of reflection which you listened to those cues you picked up on these cues that so many people either miss or decide not to listen to or are not curious enough or courageous enough unfortunately or maybe just aren't ready you heard that call you switched tracks you picked a a different way to be in your words now you're you're spreading that different way to be to people like us but also importantly at the companies that you work with and the people that you work with which is amazing that's incredible that you're out in the world sharing it and and giving people that the tools and the equipment to have their own different way to be
1: yeah thank you for saying that it's really incredible right and that's that's why i'm such a an advocate for people following what resonates for them and to trying to really tune into that and to trust that and i remember numbers of years ago i I worked with a career coach in london and that was part like before i even moved back to the to california and her asking some really important questions and i think i did strengths finder the gallup strengths finder around that same time and they kind of have this classification of 34 strengths everyone can take it on online it's like 1999 or 39.99 and i remember getting that and thinking hmm. All of my strengths actually don't have anything to do with my chosen career. Mm-hmm. And that was just one of many, many things that started helping me orient differently. Right. So there was like the career aspect of it. And then there was the personal aspect of it, which was my busy mind. Right. And my kind of existential ruminations. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had just moved back to the U.S. and my parents are down in Southern California. And I was driving down Highway 5 from San Francisco, and I had had Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now sitting in my bookshelf for like years, gotten to page two or something like that. This is why I say, right, like there's so many possibilities when I look back at my life, like, <laughs> an awakening or enlightenment or something, but it just wasn't the time. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I downloaded that because I had a long drive ahead of me and I started listening to the audio book. And I remember driving down Highway 5 and just having this moment of like, this is me. I'm not in the present moment because I'm worrying about the future and planning, controlling everything that could go wrong, right? Or I'm in the past thinking about things, but I'm not in the present moment. It was like this, oh, like that was life. I can look back and like remember several life-changing moments. That
0: is such a transformative book for so many people. Yeah. Because it's the first time they're really exposed to that sort of content that shines light on like, where are you Mm -hmm. spending your time? Is it the past? Is it the future? Mm -hmm. Is it the present? And when you realize how you stack up against some of those questions, it can be pretty shocking.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think I've always had curiosity, but it's kind of like not giving up, right? There's so many different kinds of meditation, mindfulness weighs into all the topics that we're talking about, that you talk about on your podcast and, you know, read to your question, do you have to go through like a trauma or a severe life experience? I don't think so. I think listening to that little voice inside, willing you to, um, to listen. To listen to something greater than Mm -hmm. yourself or deeper inside of yourself.
0: It's almost like two parts too because trying to listen to that voice inside is so challenging with all the stimulus of today and all Mm. like we were talking about that external validation. Mm. So it's almost like twofold. There's the listen to your true self, your intuition, and then there's quiet down all the stuff that's not you so that you can listen to Your true voice inside.
1: That reminds me because part of my journey was then actually recognizing, which is something I had known, but kind of not known a word for it. I am a very empathic, sensitive person. And so part of my journey to being able to listen inside was actually to start understanding more on an energetic level what was mine and what was not mine, whether it's in the world, at work, team members, there's a lot of energy everywhere. And that was like, wow, that was another whole area that, you know, still ongoing development, but that helped me understand, wow, what's even my energy, my emotions, Mm -hmm. my Mm. feelings. There's a lot of gray
0: areas out there. And then when you start looking at what's affecting you and where it comes from, you realize, okay, that's, that's not me, that goes on yeah. that side and you start to draw boundaries and you're like, okay, now when something bugs you and it's not anything to do with you, it's much easier to detach from that and say, okay, I'm actually good, that's nothing to do with me, I checked in, we're fine and I'm back.
1: That's so cool that you can do it that fast, I'm still working on it Well, yeah. better, <laughs> it sounds
0: better through a podcast, but I'll still cry a little bit while I'm figuring that out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's that's it, right? Even within a mindfulness or a meditation to kind of in the moment build this awareness about what's really happening. Read this kind of segues back into the work that I do now, right? Like I got really curious about wow, the stuff that I'm experiencing internally and in my personal journey. Now I'm actually seeing this play out in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. Within teams, the organization itself, because there's so much that happens kind of in the unconscious space of people in reaction mode that is actually creating dynamics that are sometimes not super productive, nor enjoyable, nor unleashing people's creativity and innovation and highest potential. So that's how I started realizing, because I had in all of this development that I was doing in my free time, I also became a coach. And then that was at the time that Yahoo was being acquired by Verizon. And it was a pretty hard time. And I was like, wow, I'm working with all these amazing product people, engineers, designers, and what's going on with like the energy level in the organization. And that's when I realized, oh, there's a lot of exactly what we're talking about going on on and the individual level then ripples out into teams and full organizations.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that recently with Daron, Sean's dad. Sean and I had the privilege to travel with Daron and some other folks that had done a lot of self-work, people that had really done a lot of work to understand themselves. There was something so special about that for, I know, for me, and I I think for Sean, too. I mean, um, that we both remarked on how smooth the group was able to interact, and we boiled it down essentially to group awareness and group cohesion really starts with self awareness and the ability to articulate your own needs. And you you talked about like drawing the lines of what's mine and what's not mine. So so we felt that in our travels and that triggered that thought in talking about groups and corporate settings and teams.
0: Well we got to see it all come together. So that was what was really cool is you can do all this work on yourself and see all the people that you love do the work. But they were talking about it almost like um a band of musicians playing together And when you're traveling and there's so many decisions that come up and there's so much that you're doing that makes you tired so you're a little less clear and it really takes away from your ability to persevere through some of these issues and it brings the truth to the surface, eventually it comes out. And so to see them all traveling and cleaning things up as they were going just with so much self-awareness and ability to communicate boundaries, it was like poetry in motion. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about like a band playing just this perfect song. And me and Reed have only really traveled with, you know, people our age, which is always great, but there's issues. And when we saw how they handled stuff, it was like, wow. We were just marveling from this. I mean, we were involved. We got involved. Yeah. But we were still marveling. <laughs>
1: That's so cool. It's such a beautiful thing, right? Like it's kind of. It's like you mentioned in a band or like singing in a choir, right? Or like working in a really high performing team because the reality is, you know, everyone talks about like collaboration and teamwork yeah, as if it's easy. And yet yeah. everything that we're talking about is how do I understand myself, right? And my unconscious reactions to things and how that impacts not only my mood, but like the team dynamics or the yeah. the work group or the travel group or, you know, whatever group because then that has a ripple effect on someone else who then has a reaction that I'm reacting back to. Right. And it's kind of, you know, have you ever heard that quote from Viktor Frankl who wrote the, the book man search for meaning? Yeah, It's like in between the reaction and response, there's the space and then the space is the power to choose. For me, it's like, wow, that's powerful because how can we all have the courage to kind of look inside ourselves? literally right understand our stories and bring compassion to that And also bring compassion to others who have their own set of life experiences, their own stories, their own triggers, their own stress reactions. Yeah. And it's especially in times like this pandemic, everything is like ratcheted up a couple notches. These things are even more evident. You know, people burning candles at all ends and trying to balance out life with like working from home and kids are there and different responsibilities that people have in life. So there's a lot of stress going on, right? Mm. And the question is how conscious are people as to How they're showing up and what their reactions are, and then how can we get out of like blame and shame Mm -hmm. and all of that to kind of that energy that you were talking about on the trip, which is like, wow, yeah, if someone triggers me, thank you, Hmm. right? Because going through life by myself, I'm not, I said from the Madrid hotel room, right, and my kind (laughs) of things that I, luckily, I enjoy being by myself now, right? That's like a gift what a change, but we are each other's biggest teachers. Yeah. Because we're all human and we're all mirrors to each other. If someone does something, says something, I have a reaction. It's kind of like, well, thank you. Because now I can look inside and say, what part of my story or my conditioning or my fears?
0: One of our guests, Alana, was talking about when somebody triggers you, just like you said, say thank you, because they're not doing it to you, they're doing it for you. Mm. And it's your choice, you know, what you do with that. It should (laughs) be an opportunity for growth. And my dad was saying on one of the podcasts that we had, you can live on a hill by yourself and everything is going to be great, la-di-da. But your true work comes up a lot in relationships so the second somebody else shows up it's like and that's why they say people around you they're just mirrors into your own soul because the stuff that triggers you about them usually has something to do with your own personal philosophy about yourself
1: absolutely i'm starting to have a, a belief or not even starting but you know that people come across your path for a reason
0: hello <laughs> yeah
1: it, it's kind of to just be such in gratitude for that really like pulling the curiosity like wow what am i here to experience what am i here to learn and really kind of gets back to even a, a different way now that i see different emotions you know before it's like oh i don't want to feel bad or experience bad emotions and now it's kind of like that's part of life that's part of the human experience right and in order to experience the things we think we want like joy ecstasy or whatever great words we can come up with in experiencing that we also have to experience experience the things on the other end of the spectrum and to kind of just sit with all of that right and that's where it's like wow that's that's a lot of growth in the last 7 or 8 years yeah
0: i think sitting with all of it without judgment is the key because mm-hmm. we tend to judge these different emotions as good and bad and i see that deter a lot of people from starting meditation practices is because their mind's super busy and they get mm-hmm. really judgmental and they're like no it's mm-hmm. bad my mind's busy but Meditation is not about mm-hmm. only feeling good it's about observing how you're feeling it's about bringing familiarity to those emotions so that you really can just sit there and feel whatever you're feeling because you're supposed yeah. to feel sad like you said some days you're supposed to feel a little uncomfortable you're supposed to feel really happy and jubilant. you're supposed to feel a lot of different things but we have it all wrapped up in our in our head through what we've been taught that there's good things to feel and bad things to feel and you should feel happy as long as you can and and if you can't maybe there's a little pill in a bottle for you Mm. but it's like some of life's beauty is really in the sadness
1: it's so true it took me a long time to even admit that i was having these feelings admit it to Mm. myself versus others because i thought am i depressed something wrong with me yeah. You know, I, I just had so little understanding of that
0: and it spirals quick because yeah. you're all of a sudden you're like well no one's gonna want to be with someone depressed because uh, well she's gonna have all the cats and if she has all the cats then even less people are gonna b- want to be with her oh this is me and it you ha- it's oh, been, yeah. Yeah. right yeah. <laughs> 10 minutes in the hotel room yeah. nothing's changed <laughs> but yeah. now you just
1: ironically have to- <laughs> now I love cats and like spending time alone <laughs> with cats is like the best thing in the world so <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 so freaking fascinating right it's exactly the things that maybe we're afraid of, but we don't actually know because they're just kind of like these weird stories that go around in our mind. But to actually stop and sit with that and to go into that, bring it out into the light of awareness is actually when you realize, I can sit with that idea of me with the cats, but I'm going to go into the emotions now, right?
2: It is. It was such a great honor to talk to you and to learn from you. And there was a moment where you were reflecting on one of our podcasts with Leon and I just had such a big moment of gratitude for uh, this podcast and being able to speak to people like you and Leon, so many great teachers. And every time we get on a call, there's things I write down and books I should read and meditations I should do. So I really appreciate your influence.
0: Where can the people find you? What's the best way for them to connect? Social media? Do you have a website?
1: You can find me, Jennifer Conti davies LinkedIn, Instagram, and my coaching company, Liminal Space, -space liminal-space.io, also on Instagram, and its own website. So if you're interested in anything we've talked about today, I'd love to hear from you because, you know, this is kind of life's work and we can't do it alone. And in addition to coaching, I know a lot of people. So, you know, if you're interested in any of these topics, I'm happy to give you more information or... Just get in touch.
0: Oh, amazing. We will link as much of that as we can in the show notes. And from us to you, a big heartfelt thank you. This was a great use of our time. So we appreciate you spending some of yours with us.